Welcome to another Solid Rock Church podcast by Bishop Larry Ragland, Senior Pastor of Solid Rock Church. For more information and content, please visit solidrockchurch.com. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and you have a blessed day. Hallelujah. 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 Somebody praise the Lord. Somebody praise the Lord. Somebody praise the Lord. Somebody give him glory. Somebody give him glory. Somebody praise the Lord. If you believe that you've been called for such a time as this. If you believe that you've been called for such a time as this. Somebody shout, the remnant is rising. Somebody shout, the remnant is rising. Oh, somebody give him praise. Somebody give him praise. Somebody give him praise. Somebody say, thank you, Lord, for letting me be alive at this moment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Has pastor lost his mind? Yes, he has. I took on the mind of Christ. Woo! Glory to God. Glory to Shep Mataka. Mate. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for this prayer cloth right now for my brother John. I declare in the name of Jesus, we transfer the healing power that's in this room right now. We declare that by the stripes of Jesus, you are healed, you are restored. My God, come here, Scott. Come here, Scott. Get this right here and put it in his hand. Put it in his, just touch him gently. Touch him gently. Put it in his hand. Father, in the name of Jesus, you keep that with you, John. Father, in the name of Jesus, the anointing and the agreement that is in this house is Praying and believing God for your shoulder, for your arm, for your for your hip, for your back, for your inside. We rebuke everything that the enemy has tried to put in that body that's tried to slow you down and stop you. The devil is a liar in the name of Jesus. The devil is a liar. Listen, the Bible said that when Paul preached, they would bring handkerchiefs to him and they would pin it to his body. They, they'd bring it from their home and they'd pin it to his body and he'd preach on the anointing of God and the anointing would transfer to those handkerchiefs. I don't care if you think it's uh, 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 crazy, kooky stuff, but at the end of it, he'd be so anointed. He'd give those prayer cloths back to the people and the Bible says they would take those prayer cloths home and lay them upon the sick and they would stand up praise God lay them upon the the blind and their eyes would open lay them upon the cripple and they would walk I feel God in this house I said I feel the Holy Ghost in this house if you feel the Holy Ghost in this house give him a praise right now come on don't you patty can't give him some little golf clap I said the Holy Ghost Power is in this house. Just go ahead and check your Facebook. Because you ain't checked in. Check in. Check your brain in right now. Put your phone down unless you're reading the Bible. You don't know, put it down. You don't even need to read the Bible. I'll put it up on the screen for you. Put it down. Stick it in your pocket. Turn it off. Woo, glory to God. The remnant is rising. 
I believe we're part of the remnant. You're going to hear a lot about the remnant. I just came from a rally last night called Rally the Remnant. Pastor Miles Rutherford. But I tell you what, he told me after service, he said, I'm going to tell you, I thank God for Solid Rock Church. And I thank God for what you're doing. He said, because I'm, I'm in search in this country. There's very few people that I see that are hooked in the way Solid Rock is hooked in to speak, to, to, to be a voice in this moment. We have decided in this house we will be a voice. We will not be an echo. I'm not going to echo what the world is saying in this house. We're going to be a voice that speaks what God is saying, not what the world is saying. You've got all kinds of places. If you want to, you can hear what the world is saying. You, ain't, you don't come in here and be, I'm not going to regurgitate what you've already heard a thousand times this week. In fact, a lot of times, I'm going to probably tell you that some of the crap that you've been listening to was lies. Check one. Testing one, two. Check one. Peter. Paul. What is it? What, is it, what was it? Power. 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 Only my sound guys get that. Somebody shout. I am. Remnant. I talk a lot about the remnant because I've been mandated by God to talk about it. And I'm not going to stop talking about it. Because we are the remnant. A lot of people's got a lot of questions about the remnant. Is there really going to be one? Is there really one left? What really is the remnant? What is a remnant? Let me tell you something. Let me read a scripture to you, a couple of scriptures that will show you the difference between the remnant and those that think that they're okay. Are you ready? If you're ready, shout, I'm ready. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Jesus himself said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name, and I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Oh my God, I'm going to preach this quiet. I can tell I'm already stepping on some toes. Just because you told a devil to go don't mean you had the authority to do it. Because some preachers have mastered the art of preaching. And they are relying more on their skill and their technique and their ability to preach good and talk good and motivate people. We got too many motivational people, motivational speakers in the pulpit. I'm not here to be a motivational speaker to you. I hope I motivate you. And I'm sure going to speak. But I'm not a motivational preacher, y'all. In case y'all hadn't figured it out yet. I am a preacher of the gospel. And the, pre the preaching of the gospel will sometimes step on your toes. The preaching of the gospel is a sword and it's double-edged. It will cut you going in, but if you let it do its work, it will heal you coming out. 
but most people can't let it do its work so they just get cut just cause you call yourself a Christian oh I, I know I know I'm, I feel it I'm, I, just cause you call yourself a Christian don't mean you are one oh that's what you hear around here like oh I love the good Lord Oh, yeah, I love the good Lord. I respect the good book. Oh, it's a good book, and he's a good Lord. But he, the God you're talking about and the Bible you're talking about most of the time is not the God that I'm talking about in the Bible that I'm talking about. Because those that usually say it, I don't mean this to be critical if you say that because we're, we're Southern and Southern folks say that. But if, if you run into somebody that don't ever go to church, ain't been to church in years, don't uh, act like everything in the world, don't act nothing like God, but they love the good Lord and they love the good book, let me tell you something. They have a form of godliness, but they're denying the power thereof. And a lot of preachers that, that know how to say the right thing, talk the right way, are harming the body of Christ. Is this microphone working? The Bible says, did you not know the devil himself can be transformed into an angel of light? We got a lot of preachers that's preaching because their daddy was a preacher. The third generation preachers. It's, 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 it ain't no different to them than, than a pipe fitter. Your daddy was a pipe fitter and he taught you how to be a pipe fitter. So it was by, by default, you just went into the pipe fitting business. Well, I, we don't need preachers going into the preaching business just because the daddy was a preacher. You better be called by God in this moment. Woo! It's hot in here. I'm going to show you something. There are a lot of people who think they're going to be there. But I think they may be surprised. I'm not, I'm not to judge. I'm not saying I, got, I can tell you who's going and who's not going. I'm just going to tell you what God just said. God said there's a lot of folks that said, Lord, Lord, you my Lord, you my Lord. I, I danced. I shouted. I prayed for somebody in the altar. I preached. Now I'm going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. Why would God say that? God said, God, because God is not looking for people who know how to publicly demonstrate something that makes them somehow confirmed and in the eyes of others to be holy. No, holy is not something I do to impress you. Holiness is who I am. It's an inward thing. It is Holiness is not even preached on anymore in church. Holiness is like a curse word now in the church. Nobody wants to preach on sin. Nobody, because watch this. You can't understand holiness if you ain't never heard about sin. Nobody wants to hear about Nobody wants to be told they're a sinner. But you can't get saved unless you believe and know that you need to be saved because you're a sinner. Am I preaching good? Well, I'm going somewhere. Y'all going to love it. Just like there's a lot of people who think they're, they're good, they're going to be surprised when they get to heaven, I'm going to say this. There's going to be a lot of people surprised who actually makes it. They're going to look around and say, he made it? Are y'all hearing me? What? Oh, we're so-and-so. I'm sure that's going to be here. Well, he ain't here. But he's here. She made it. I'm going to tell you something. The remnant is going to look a lot different than what you think it's going to look like. 
It ain't going to be made up of professional churchgoers. Uh-uh. There'll be, there'll be a few lifetime, lifetime church folk in there. But I'm going to tell you something. It's going to be made up of people that profess for most of their lives to be atheists, agnostics, didn't want to have nothing to do with church because they were burnt out on what they saw coming forth from the lives of those that say they represent Christ. But the remnant is real. The remnant is authentic. The remnant is not performing. The remnant is not putting on a, a, a stage performance with all the, the glitter and the lights and all the stuff. I'm not speaking against lights. I'm just saying the reality is this. We've become an entertainment industry instead of the body of Christ. So, so the, the rest of the world have just checked out on us. And if anything good, and I think it's really good, that came of this last two years of what we've gone through is it has been a purging thing. I don't want to see anybody leave the body of Christ. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not excited about anybody leaving their church. I'm not excited about anybody closing the doors of their church. But I'm going to tell you something. Can I be real with y'all this morning? I'm not, I'm, I'm, I love pastors. Y'all know that. I'm a pastor to pastors. I'm driven. But I'm going to tell you that some of these pastors needed to quit because they done quit God a long time ago. And some of these churches probably did need to close down because they were not teaching the Word of God. They were equipping people to believe something that was an error. And the people that was there now have an opportunity to find a church if they really are hungry that is authentic. The remnant is not coming. The remnant is here. You are either in it or you're not. You're either in it or you're going to be in it. All we do at this point for the remnant is add people to it. The remnant is not getting ready. The remnant is ready. Amen. I'm tired of talking about it's coming. I'm tired of talking about one day. I'm tired of trying to prepare Solid Rock Church for the day. This is the day. And if you don't get it, you're going to miss it. One of my favorite stories in all of Scripture, I've told people this many times, it's the story of Joseph. It just wrecks me every time I read it. It wrecks me. What a man. A man of God whose, whose stature is huge, whose life story has no rebuke, no, no failing. Him and Daniel in those scriptures are the only two Bible characters that have no rebuke of moral failure. They had their integrity. They kept their integrity and their strength throughout their lives. But this man's story, like so many others, like David, when he killed Goliath, his story, young folks, started when he was a teenager. The famous story of Joseph and his brothers and his father making a coat for him happened when he was 17 years old. 17 years old. A story that thousands upon tens of thousands of preachers have preached for thousands of years is a story about a 17-year-old kid. It's found in Genesis chapter 37. Listen to this. I'm not going to read the whole story. I just want to read to you a few verses from this story to set up our series. And the name of our series is called The Remnant Mantle. 
And I'm going to show you why God gave this to me. It says this in verse 37, chapter 37, verse 3. Now Israel, which is Jacob, his father, loved, that word loves means favored. Somebody shout favored. Favored Joseph more than all of his children because he was the son, you got to get this, of his old age. I want you to understand, he was the son of his old age. It was the, be, the beginning of an ending, of a winding down. Are you hearing me? He loved him because he was birthed at the final stage of his life. Can I tell you something? This is talking about a man and not about the kingdom and not about Jesus. But the Bible is full of types and shadows. Can I tell you something? In Joel, in Acts, and in many places throughout Scripture, it talks about a remnant of people that will be birthed at the winding down and at the ending. It talks about in Hebrews, there's yet once more the heavens and the earth shall shake and everything that can be shaken will be shaken until that which cannot be shaken remains. Do you understand? The purpose of the shaking is not to shake those that are not in. It's to reveal the ones that are. Are y'all not hearing me? The, the sifter, when we sift the flour, if you remember that old, old school folks, remember when your grandma used to sift the flour or turn that crank and they just throw the flour in there and all of a sudden that just start being this pure, beautiful powder coming from the bottom. Boy, she's about to make some, some biscuits out of it. Come on, somebody. Some homemade biscuits, praise God. But, but, but when it was all said and done, the hard pieces, the lumps, and things that might have got in that flour is sitting on the top. But can I tell you something? You might think that the fine flour that fell through the cracks is the, is the pure. It's the pure. It's the one. But when you understand the way the kingdom works, it was really the opposite. A sifter is to get rid of those that can easily fall through the cracks anyway because there's nothing sticking to them. There, there, there's, there's no kind of growth to them. And then the sifter leaves at the top just a few little morsels of things and just like the remnants that are scattered all over this stage your grandma used to just dump them over to the side and make the biscuits out of the fine flour can I tell you something God loves the fine flour God loves everybody that's breathing that's ever been created in his image but we've been making biscuits for too long oh my God with the, with the wrong side of the sifter I feel God because he was the son of his old age. Y'all still with me? So we made him, New King James says, a tunic, which is a coat or a covering. Made him a tunic or coat of, say it loud, many colors. You've heard of it all your life. Cute Sunday school, vacation Bible school story. The coat of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved or favored him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Can I tell you something? We used to be able to have peaceable disagreements. No more. That's gone. If somebody is a full-fledged Democrat, they can't be friends with a full-fledged Republican and vice versa. Oh, it's quiet in here. 
You can't can't sit down and have a meal with somebody that don't agree with you politically line upon line. We used to be able to have friends who didn't agree in the world, in the system politically the way we did, and we could still be friends. I remember what we used to say, we're just going to have to agree to disagree, and then we'd shoot basketball and have fun. But we can't do that anymore. Because there's a line. I mean, I'm not saying we shouldn't, because we should. Do you understand what I'm trying We should be able to do that. But the world won't do that anymore. Because the closer we get to the end, the, more, the closer we get to the winding down, the more the enemy will not allow the ones that he has trapped to even open their minds and even allow themselves to even think that they could possibly be wrong. I'm preaching good. I tell you, I got so much stuff. I, some of this, I mean this in a respectful way. You need to tune in, what I'm saying. Because if you check out, you're going to miss some stuff. They're going to fly right over your head. You need to tune in and you need to hear what I'm about to say. Some of the greatest thinkers and philosophers in the world right now, you are not exposed to it and you don't know what's happening unless you know where to go to find it are being transformed by God. I'm talking about lifelong professing militant atheists, agnostics are slowly beginning to speak of Jesus and of the Word. I've watched with my own eyes people of unbelievable worldwide influence that I followed them because of their political thinking and maybe their ideological thinking that that not all but some of the things I lined up with because they were able to elaborate in a way that I never could. I've watched them over the years. Now I find them say, hearing them saying things like, well, are you be honest with you? Are you still an atheist? Well, no. I don't know what I am, but I can't, I can't say that I'm an atheist because I, I just know that the more that I look at my life and the more that I look at science and the more that I look at philosophy and the more that I study the ones that have, that have been hallmark mentors and, and, and leaders to me in my life that have molded me into my thinking, the more and more I find out we're believers in Jesus and are causing me to think that maybe, just maybe, Not ready to commit it yet, but just maybe it's right. So I've committed myself to learn more. And then I'm watching the church throw them away. Because they won't go there all the way. And I'm over here going, stop it preachers. Maybe, they, maybe they're not right. Maybe if they was to die right now, maybe if the rapture was to take place right now, maybe they won't make it. But listen, man, they're on their way. Something is happening. It didn't happen in a church. They, some authentic people, some remnant people that God put in their lives have just been living it. I can send you some videos that will blow your mind of what God is doing. But you won't see it following the voices that you listen to all the time. Because you're in a bubble. Get out of your bubble. 
Woo. Now, y'all still with me? I got plenty of time. I'm going to take it. Y'all, y'all can go to the bathroom, leave anytime you want to. I, I'm going I'm to preach what God put on my heart to preach today. There's some things you've got to learn about the remnant. You might want to write these down. First, you need to understand when this, in this, in this simple passage right here about Joseph, this is something you need to get about the remnant. First, the remnant will be favored among the other brothers that are not pleasing to the Father. They will not be loved in the sense of for God so loved the world, but the favor of God will be on the remnant. And those that the favor of God is not on who think they're still in the family will be the actual ones that persecute the remnant. The remnant will not be persecuted by the world. The remnant will be persecuted by the brothers that don't have the coat. Second, as I've already said, he was the son of his old age. He came towards the end. Third, the favored will always be hated and persecuted by those who are not walking. Watch this first. In obedience, which brings favor. You want the favor, but you don't want the obedience. You want God to pay off your debt, but you won't even tithe. Huh? But if it pay off my debt, I'll tithe. You don't have a kingdom mind. You need to get a kingdom mind. That's the way the world works. That's not the way the kingdom works. And that's not the way remnant people think. I'm not, listen, I got to say this right now because I can feel this happening. I'm not preaching an elite group. I'm not preaching us against them. I'm not saying we're better than anyone. I'm not even talking about Solid Rock Church. I'm talking about the body. I'm telling you all over the world the remnant is rising. All over the world people are waking up. Sleeping giants are standing up going, wait a minute, wait a minute. You've pushed me a little bit too far. You've told me to stop praising a little bit too much. God has been too good to me to stop my praise. You can't go there. You might can go there. You might can go there. You might can go there. But you can't touch my praise. When you start messing with my praise, when you start messing with my church family, when you start messing with my walk with God, listen, you don't draw, you don't cross the line, brother. Number four, God gave Joseph something, listen to me, very distinctive and obvious to display his favor. The coat of many colors. See, the the remnant will be wearing something that it will be very obvious. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. Hold up, brother. Hold up. The remnant will be wearing something that is very obvious. Huh? Not elitism, not that you walk around with your chest poked out and strutting in with your nose stuck up in there. So high if it rains, you drown. We're not talking about that because the moment you walk into that, you've left the remnant. I want you to get something. Some of you have already put two and two together, but if you haven't, and even if you have, you still don't really know where I'm going, but stay with me. The mantle was made up. It was a coat of many colors. Jacob, I want you to understand something. He lived in the, in the desert. Okay? He was a wealthy man, but he did not spend his wealth on dying clothes. That was not important to them. 
What was important to them is take whatever they had, wear it, secure themselves, protect themselves against the element, take care of the sheep, take care of the ox, to make sure the plants are growing so that their children and their grandchildren could eat. So he didn't have a factory where they made clothing. So contrary to what you were shown in vacation Bible school, contrary to if you do a Google search, you have no idea how long I searched for a picture of what I needed to show you. It does not exist on the internet. Anytime you try to find anything about the coat of many colors, you find this beautiful robe with perfectly lined stripes of different colors going down their body. As if someone made it perfectly, dyed the strips and and put them together and sold it out perfectly. And if you do look for what I was looking for, I finally found something similar. And it was was Dolly Parton's movie. A Coat of Many Colors. If you don't know what that is, go look up Dolly Parton, Coat of Many Colors. The remnant, the word remnant itself literally means the leftover. The no good. Carpet and floor installers know I'm telling the absolute truth. You cut carpet. Now, this is sitting on top of the carpet, but if we would have brought carpet in here to where this stage was, you'd have had to roll this carpet up all the way up against it because it's curved and you would cut all the way around this and the part that was cut off, this went clean, this went neat, everything looks good and all these pieces now are cut at an angle. There's no square ends on it so they're no good. So they're just thrown into a pile and they're called the remnant. You might pull them out and make a rug out of it. You might pull them out and put a, cut it up a little bit and put it by the door because you don't care if mud gets on it. You're going to try to find some purpose for it, but it don't, it's not even in the same ballpark as this. It's left over. All these remnants that you see scattered here is from a mighty woman of God in this house who is a seamstress. And I knew that she would have all kinds of remnants in her house. Because all these pieces that are up here represents garments that she has made. That she had a pattern that she cut out. And she sewed them together and she made clothing and items. And and she even made masks for us when this first started happening. All different kinds of things. Scarves, t-shirts, all this kind of stuff. And she, she people are wearing them, using them, hanging in their closet. And this chaos is what is left. Are you hearing me? The remnant mantle will be made up of rejects. Those that have been used up. Those that have been forgotten. Those that are fragments of what the world said they should be. You know what happens with remnants like this? Around this size, they usually turn into rags. People might take this and check their oil with it. Wipe the oil off on it. You might grab a a bigger remnant that you don't care about. Ain't nothing ever going to be done with this. Clean your tire. Got mess and dirt all over it. Get through with it. It's covered in mud. Stinks. Nasty. Moldy. Throw it in a pile with the rest of the rags. The pile gets bigger and bigger and bigger. 
Next thing you know, you got to tell yourself, I need to do something with this pile. I either need to throw it away or I need to do something with it. A lot of people bag it up, throw it in the dump, the dumpster, the garbage can. Spread out over landfills all over this nation. Some of it buried underneath ground. Our fragments. Our, our, our people that have been forgotten, that have been thrown away, that have been cold, they were a filthy rag. Unused. Worthless. Leftover. Nobody's wearing them. Nobody's using them as a tablecloth. Nobody's got them hanging in the closet. Nobody takes pride in them. They are just what you wipe your nastiness on. But they've been piling up. I look over at that pile of the spirit realm. I see some black rags. I see some white rags. I see some brown rags. I see some yellow rags. I see some red rags. I see some rags you can't even tell what color they are because they got so many other rags in them. I see some, some high class, high dollar rags. I see some minimum wage rags. I see some single mother rags. Come on, somebody. I see some broken. I see some dropped. I see some decimated. I see some abused. I see some oily. I see some dirty. Can I be real with you? I see some prostitutes. I see some homosexuals. I see some adulterers. I oh, you hear me? And you know who threw them in the pile? The church. The church threw them in that pile. I see in the back corner, in the darkness, underneath a tarp, in a church somewhere where they got a chandelier hanging and they got a beautiful sound system and they got the best LED screen there is and all the people look all pretty and perfect. But somewhere at back in the back of that church is somebody that was thrown away. Somebody that was told they didn't matter. My God, they're covered up. But God knows where they're at. God knows wherever remnant is. It might be buried under 10,000 tons of dirt in a landfill somewhere. Woo! Just like I had people that I love trying to question how in the world, as a man of God, I could okay for my mother who passed away last Friday to be cremated and go to ashes and be put into a, a vase and urn. How in the world could you do that? How could you do that to your mother? I said the first thing I said was because my mama told me to. And the second reason I did it is I didn't put my mama in no vase because my mama ain't there. Are you hearing me? You can take my mom up in an airplane and you can dump her out at 30,000 feet. But my God knows where my mama is. I don't care.
when the time comes for this corruptible to put on incorruptible, God knows if he's got to remake us, if he's got to do it all again in the twinkling of an eye, he don't need to know where you're buried. He don't need to know where your tombstone is. He saw you when you... I need to turn one of these into a sweat rack. My God, it's 1127 and I'm just now getting started. This, this, this remnant's made up of every race. This remnant is, I look over there again, I see some Baptists. I see some Pentecostal. I see some Methodists. I see some Episcopalian. I see some Presbyterian. And you ain't gonna like this one. Some of y'all ain't. I see some Catholics. Y'all hear me? I see some one God, two gods, to help me gods. Only Pentecost is going to get that. You know what I don't see? I don't see anybody saying there's many paths to God in that pile. They got through over there because they're the ones that said they ain't but one way. Jesus is putting together a coat for the body. Oh, y'all didn't get it. He's already got the body. But he's about to wrap the body in a coat. There ain't nothing in the Bible by chance, y'all. The story, the coat and many colors ain't in there just so you can take, teach something to a kid and make it cool, a cool story. No, it is in there because it was a real event. It really happened to a boy named Joseph, but it's also in there to teach us something. Every nation, every nationality, every skin color, every language. There's pieces strode out on every continent in ships in the middle of the ocean. There's pieces of this remnant flying in space stations above, in, out in space. Because if there's people there, there's a remnant there. So, what did he really do? Now, all I could do at last minute was get, I called my wife from, from Atlanta, from Marietta. I said, I need you to go get my nasty, ugly, dirty work jacket that I've been working in for 10 years. This thing is literally falling apart. I wore this, everything through the last winter while I was building my house, I wore this when I was working in my yard. It's got nastiness all over it, and it stinks. One blessing. <laughs> I don't even want to call it a blessing, but maybe it is. They came out of getting COVID, losing my taste and smell. I found that some of my smell never came back. And it, for whatever reason, it's the nasty stuff. I can't hardly smell poop anymore. Which can be a blessing, but can also be not good. Are y'all hearing me? Especially when you got a grandbaby that's potty training. I'll never forget it. I'll tell it the rest of my life. 
All four of us lived in the same house, had COVID at the same time back the first of October, and we all lost our taste and smell, and my little grandbaby, their, their baby, is in the middle of the living room. We're all talking, laughing. She keeps saying, uh, she, see, uh, she keeps grabbing herself, her, her rear end, and then she started, we're just laughing, telling the story, she starts going. And we're like, Let's look at her, she's so funny. What is it, babe? What is she starting? She didn't realize, she didn't know how to tell us. It's like she's smelling something. What is she smelling? We all looking and said, what is she smelling? It's like, oh, my Lord, we need to check her out. Pull that dog back and Lizzie went, oh, my Lord. Oh, you have no idea what I just saw. It was bad. Nobody in the room could smell it. So I don't know what this jacket smells like. I know what it used to smell like. Right now, I can't smell it. Maybe that's a blessing. So, Instead of thinking of the coat of many colors as a perfectly dyed, perfectly straight, striped jacket, you have to understand how God works and how God used this moment. He had made all kinds of robes and cloths. And it, this didn't start in modern days with sewing machines. There's always been remnants left over with cloth when you made anything. So, and you don't make everything the same color. So there was different colors of things. Now, whether he put together a jacket and pinned things on it, sewed things on it or not, but this coat of many colors was literally a coat or a garment that the Father made simply by sewing different pieces of remnants and rags and discarded useless pieces of cloth together. To make it one jacket that was distinct from any other jacket. You cannot get another one of them. There's only one. Because even if you try to make another one just like it, you're not going to put them all back in the same color direction and they're not all going to be the same size. So the jacket that he made, was not just special, was not just colorful, was not just jumping out of it. Let me tell you something. It was a one of a kind. We've got to understand that we cannot do anything to our enemies and cause our enemies once we put this jacket on to accept the jacket or accept our way of thinking in this world. It's not up to us. We just live it and wear it. Are you hearing me? We need to stop trying to be like the world and thinking that we can reach them. They have to see something different on us. We must be wearing the glory of God. The weightiness of God needs to be on us. Let me tell you something, Pastor. No matter what your church looks like, if it's all white or if it's all black or if it's all Hispanic or if it's all Asian, I thank God for how you're preaching. And you may feel like that can never change. But you need to start, if you ain't already done it, you need to start declaring that your church is not all one race. Because the people that have turned their back on the church, that won't have nothing to do with church, they ain't coming to a church that all looks the same. They're looking for a church where when they walk in the door, they can just see by looking at the people and how they love each other and how they praise God and how they talk and how they sing and how they serve, that anybody that's breathing is welcome. 
find you a church that either is multiracial or at least has a pastor who is believing God and, and praying that it will become that. Quit trying to find you a pastor that looks like you. Quit trying to find you a pastor that, that talks like you. Quit trying to find a praise team that plays your style of music. Find you a church that will equip you. Honey, you get in your radio and you go listen on your radio going down the road and you listen to anything you want to listen to. But don't make your church have to be your perfect style that you like. Make sure it's your pastor that is equipping you and the house of God is speaking what you need to hear. Woo! 11.35, man, I'm doing good. They are not persecuting and trying to cancel the voices of those that have already went down the road of compromise. No one's trying to cancel the compromised. No one's trying to cancel the robots. I will say what you want me to say. I will do what you want me to do. I am here to serve you. Mm -mm. They're trying to cancel the ones. It's got weird jackets. The remnant is guided by a dream or a vision. Now Joseph had a dream. He told it to his brothers. And they hated him even more. They hated him even more. They hated him big time for that jacket. And then he goes, let me tell you all something. This is awesome. How many of you have ever been so excited about what God was doing? You couldn't wait to tell everybody in the world what God was doing. And, and, and you was telling them, you was just telling them, you was just telling them, man, God told me this, God's going to do this, God's going to do this. And they'd be like, man, that's, 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 that's cool. That's really good. And you're like, what? You didn't hear what I just said? You didn't hear what I said? Come on. Because it's hard to find people that's going to get excited about your dream. You got to be careful who you tell your dreams to. You remember that movie, The Invasion of the Body Snatchers? Let me tell you something. I've lived a life of the invasion of the dream snatchers. They will snatch your dream and they will drag you and your dream down with it. They hated him even more. Those that are not of the remnant will hate a remnant dream. Because a remnant dream is an out-of-the-box dream. A remnant dream is something new and significant that we've not seen. Are y'all hearing me? Those that are not of the remnant and do not want to be a part of the remnant want the machine to keep working. Well, the machine, if you hadn't figured it out, is not working. The remnant dream is a dream, watch this, of dominion and authority. Taking back, when that jacket was placed on that 17-year-old boy, something shifted in that 17-year-old boy. He went from being a boy to a man. The beginning of the entire story of Joseph, the dreams and everything that would happen was summed up in that jacket. Because when you, when you know that your God has put something on you, you will not lose your praise when you're thrown in a pit. You will not lose your integrity when you are falsely accused and thrown in a prison. Because 
See, I got to finish this. I got to finish this because I got to set it up for next week. It's a dream of dominion and authority. Watch what he says in verse 8. And his brothers said to him, after he heard this dream, Shall you indeed reign over us? Shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. They didn't just hate him for his dream. They hated him for what was coming out of his mouth. They hated him, watch this, for his voice. The world does not want the remnant to have a voice. They want the church to be a replica and an echo of what they say. And many have fallen for it. Many churches and pastors have fallen for it. But God said, no, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. When I put something in you, it will go against the world system. It will be kingdom. Mm. See, that's really what made the established old way normal church of his brothers, I call them that, so mad. Because Joseph had two dreams that involved them no longer being in authority over him. Oh, you didn't get that. Before they heard the dream, they just assumed since they were all older that Joseph would always be bound to take commands from them. But here's their father putting a coat of many colors of, of, of his favor because he loved him that much because of his child in his old age. And here he is saying that God has given him a dream that not only their brothers would bow down, but even his, their own father would. The one that put the coat on him. Are y'all hearing me? The streams were crazy. The youngest would lead the oldest, even the father. Went against everything that was in their culture. But it was more than a dream. For the word dream, or actually the phrase, had a dream in the Hebrew, means specifically to say this, to bind firmly. Oh, y'all didn't hear that. Go back and look it up yourself. Strong's number 2492. The Hebrew words, word for that phrase, had a dream, is the definition to bind firmly. Joseph became firmly bound in the dream that God had given him. That coat was, was symbolic in the natural of something going on him, but not just going on him, going in him. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. Joseph had a dream, but perhaps we could more accurately say the dream had Joseph. Joseph had a dream, but the truth is, the dream took over Joseph. The dream got in Joseph's DNA. The remnants that his daddy painstakingly put together meant so much to him that the remnants on the outside, because they represented the favor of his father, seeped into his body and into his spirit. 
He saw himself as favored from his father and favored from his God. In one swell swoop, just like the Bible talks about Jesus. The Bible said after he was found in the temple when he was age 12 and they went back and found him, the next thing you hear about Jesus and the last thing you hear about Jesus until you hear him coming in, in, the, in the New Testament at age 30 is it says, and the boy grew and he grew in favor in the eyes of God and in the eyes of man. Jesus had favor in the eyes of God and the favor in the eyes of man. And in one swell swoop, a 17-year-old boy realized, I don't have to listen to what they say about me. I know my daddy loves me and I know my daddy loves me. So then his brother said, well, forget you. Watch this. We got to go to our jobs. Pastor Brad, you getting this? Because you got a coat on you, brother. Big time. And the remnant pieces that you're going to reach, I'll never be able to reach. It's a, it's a new coat like this. This generation's never seen. Oh, yeah. Y'all know more about what God's doing in his life pretty soon. Watch this. They said, we got to go do a job. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? If you're ready, shout, I'm ready. I don't think you're ready. Verse 12. They heard all that. I've heard enough. Forget you. Then his brothers went to feed whose flock? There's father's flock in Shechem. Let me tell you something. A shepherd feeds his own flock. Those brothers had never accepted what their father had asked them to do. So they never took ownership of any of the sheep. They were hirelings. They were pretending to be pastors, but they were not pastors. Because you, you do know the word pastor means shepherd. His brothers were simply taking care of the sheep. They were not even actually shepherds. But they called themselves that because their daddy was. They were hirelings. They were not their flocks. They were simply working the fields of another man's flock. And when you work the fields of another man's flock... Watch what John says. Jesus said about you in the book of John chapter 10. You've heard this part, verse 10. The thief does not come except to say it loud, to steal and to kill, say it loud, and to destroy. I have come, y'all ain't saying it loud, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Stop the scriptures right there, hold it right there. If that's all we heard, we'd be like, oh yeah, it's a blessed life, it's abundant life, it's what God's called me to. Wait a minute, next verse. Next verse, verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling who is not the shepherd, one who does not even own the sheep, will see a wolf coming and leave the sheep and flee. And the wolf will catch the sheep and scatter them. But the hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. 
Those boys did not care about the sheep. They were just doing a job. They were clocking in and they were coming back home and they were eating and they were clocking in and they were going back again. But a shepherd was David. When the lion came in and tried to take the sheep from David, David didn't run. David ripped the lion's mouth open and pulled the sheep out. When the bear showed up, he took the bear out. Let me tell you something. A shepherd will stay the course. Now, I'm not talking about myself. I'm talking about any of y'all and anybody that's watching online. If your pastor has stayed at your church for more than 10 years, you probably got a shepherd. Because most hirelings have got to find a new place to go every one and a half to two years. When the wolves come in, look at me dialing. I'm literally dialing a phone up here, y'all. Rotary. I'm literally rotary dialing a phone. Where, what, what, what year am I in right now? I'm back to the future. Siri, call headquarters. Oh, wait a minute. Everybody's phone just went off. I didn't catch that. Say it again. How, this is what I want to say this thing sometimes. Stop listening to everything. Things are getting a little rough down here, and I've been praying about it, and I've been feeling like God is, God's really, really telling me. Just, I can't keep it off my mind. It's every night I go to bed. It's like, so, um, General Overseer, I, I just want you to know that I just feel like the Lord is telling me it's time for me to move on. Well, how long have you been there? Well, about a little over a year and a half, and it's, you know, you know, I just feel like it's time for me to move on. The Lord's, the Lord's telling me that. Well, well okay, let me, let me look at the list here and see who else the Lord's telling them to leave their church, and I'll find you a spot. Okay, I've lined you up to go interview, and I need you to go. You're, you're one of five that are going to come in for the next five weeks, and you're going to preach an audition for the church, and then the church is going to have a vote, and they're going to decide which one they like. And then you get to be their shepherd. No, you don't get to be their shepherd. You get to be their hireling. Now, you may think of yourself as a shepherd, but if, if you go into that kind of situation, you're normally going in as an employee. Most time you meet people at those churches, you ask them who their pastor is, they'll tell you, well, my preacher is Larry Ragland. I ain't your preacher. I'm preaching, but I'm your pastor. I'll fight some devils for you. I have fought devils for you. Okay. Ten minutes and I'll be done. You're supposed to support me, Fifi. You keep laughing every, every time I say that. I can hear you laugh. You're supposed to be my support system. Watch this. Verse 12, I want to read it from the New Living Translation because I love this. Watch this. So Jacob sends his sons to, he, he, I mean, so Jacob looks at Joseph and he says, listen, don't put it up there yet. Hold up. He looks at his son Joseph. He put the coat on him. His sons leave. They've been gone for a while. He's walking around this coat. He's just amazed at this coat. Read the word. It says this. So Jacob looks at his, as, as his son Joseph. And this is what he says. Soon after this, Joseph's brother, verse 12, put it up there, New Living Translation. Soon after this, Joseph's brother went to pasture their father's flock at Shechem. When they had gone for some time, Jacob said to Joseph, Your brothers are pasturing the sheep at Shechem. Get ready, and I will send you to them. I'm ready to go, Joseph replied. Let me tell you, let me, let me, you need to get a couple things here. The first thing you need to get is it said, When they had been gone for some time. Some folks have been gone for a while. They're going through the motions of ministry, but they've lost the passion. They've been gone for some time. Many in the ministry are dead spiritually. 
they are now, this is the popular word, deconstructing their faith. What that really means is almost everyone who says I'm in a place of deconstruction is leaving their faith. God doesn't need you to deconstruct anything. Now, you may need to deconstruct the Western Americanized version of Christianity, but you cannot throw, just because you're trying to get away from the things that we do wrong in America, if you're not careful, the enemy will allow you to deconstruct everything that you believe in the Bible to be true. Many don't believe in the inerrancy of the word, the perfectness of the word any longer. And one of the mandates of the remnant is to wake up some that are asleep that have been gone for a long time and bring them back. Just because they've been gone don't mean they have to go. We've been called to go get them. Remember Jesus said if one of the sheep leaves, he'll go get them. they got to want to come back. We're going to go get them. Watch this. Now J- Jacob says this. This is, this is my words of helping you understand what, ha- what you just read there. He says basically it would be like this. Okay, okay, son, they've been gone for a while. i got a job for you. I need you to go back to your office, and I need you to study some more. And then I need you to go, go back, maybe, maybe take another uh, class at seminary, get one more degree, and then I need you to go to an all-night prayer meeting, and then I need you to go on a 21-day fast. I need you to fast. I need you to pray every day. And then I want you to do a Daniel fast for another 21 days. And when you get through with all that, come back and you'll probably be ready to go see your brother. That's what we're told in organized religion. The remnant, you got to go do this, you got to do this, you got to be trained on this, you got to have this, you got to have this degree, you got to have this. He, he looked at him and said, go get ready and come back to me when you're ready and I'm going to send you. Joseph, without hesitation, said, I don't need to go do anything. I am ready. I'm ready, Father. I got your jacket. I'm ready, Father. God doesn't give me two drinks. I'm ready, Father. I don't need anything else. I'm ready. So remnant, listen to me, church. You need to stop thinking. You got other things to take care of before you'll start being used by God. You need to get off your rear end and tell God right now you're ready. You need to shake some hands. You need to park some cars. You need to welcome some people. You need to preach the gospel. You need to teach. You need to lead a small group. You need to play an instrument. You need to sing. You need to take up the offering. You need to talk about connect cards. You need to be on video now. You need to be loving people in your community. You need to be taking care of the poor. You need to get off your rear and tell God, I don't need any more preparation. If you are in church, in a in-person gathering through what we've gone through in the last two years and you still think you've got to do more to tell God you're ready? Here's your sign. I'm hurrying. I know I've been preaching a long time. I don't care. How, I, listen, y'all, y'all ain't got no, I'll send y'all to Miles Church. Y'all go to Miles Church. Service starts at 7. They do praise and worship to 8.15. Then they take up offering for another 20 minutes. And then he preaches for two hours and lays hands on people for another hour. But you don't care because it's awesome. But you better go to the bathroom before church starts. That's all I'm going to say. Joseph did not hesitate. He did not have to pray about it. Oh, I believe in prayer. You've been serving God for a little bit of time. And somebody comes to you and asks you, are you ready to serve? And you got to go pray about it? You got to pray about it? Whether, you, whether you're supposed to be serving God, you got to pray about it? 
when I feel led. You don't feel led? What more you got, what more got to happen before you feel led? He never said take care of something first and then I'll say you're When God says I need you to go, he has already qualified you. Huh? He don't tell you I need you to do something unless he believes you can do it. God's not the author of confusion. If God tells you to do something and dealing with you to do something, he don't need you to pray about what he told you to do. Now you might need to pray about what I might ask you to do. But you don't need to pray about what God's telling you to do. Just good preaching, man. Listen, I'm sweating up here, y'all. Y'all don't even understand how hot I am in this jacket, but I ain't taking it off because it looks awesome. I'm, I'm finishing. I'm ready to go. It's part one of this series. Next week, man, I already got the whole message. Watch this. So the question is, well, if the coat represented favor didn't they when they saw him coming when they oh you this is preview for part two next week it says when they saw him coming they knew it was him in a distance because of the coat he was wearing it basically says he was at a distance that if he'd have been dressed like he's normally dressed, they would have thought he was a stranger coming. But all his brothers immediately knew he, who he was, even in the dust and the wind and the distance, because they saw that coat. And the Bible says, this is your Bible, and they knew who he was in a distance because of the coat. He was a speck. But they saw the colors. Let me tell you something, the world is not going to be able to avoid us any longer. Huh? Now, watch this. As he got closer, this is what they said. Here comes the dreamer. They didn't say, here comes our brother to check on us. Here comes the dreamer. They labeled him and they hated him. The first two things they identified him with was the coat and the dream. And the first two things they wanted to take from him was the coat and the dream. The coat represented the favor of the Father. They ripped it off of him. They held it in front of him, jerked it off his body. I bet it didn't come easy. But they, was, they had him outnumbered. They stripped it off of him and they held it in front of him. Oh, you and your coat. Watch this. We're going to turn this on you. We're going to use the very thing that our dad tried to push us down with and favor you with. We're going to use this against you. So let me show you something, brother. Let me show you something, dreamer. This coat that you love so much. Watch this. We're going to rip it. We're going to 
and we're going to kill an animal, one of these sheep, and we're going to rub blood all over it. And you know what? I want you to hear what our plans are. We're going to go back. We're going to kill you right now. And we're going to go back, and we're going to show this to our daddy. And the moment our daddy sees that this is ripped to shreds, he will know that a wild animal has killed his beloved Joseph. Stripped him of his coat. One down, one to go. And as far as your little dream, dreamer, that we're going to bow down to you, that you're going to be us, above us, how about this one, dreamer? Not only are you not going to be up as an authority, you're not even going to be on our eye level with us now. And they picked him up and they threw him in a pit. They stood over him. How's your dream now? Why, why are you crying, Joseph? Oh, you're yelling for us to help you. Nobody's coming to help you. You lost your jacket. Your daddy's going to think you're dead. And not only is he going to think you're dead, your dream is dead. But the thing they didn't know mm. is the jacket, the coat, had already got in him. <laughs> Just like the dream was in him. And those that are not wearing the remnant, they think they can take church services away from us and they'll take the church away from us. They think they can tell us not to praise and we'll stop praising. <laughs> but what they don't understand is a microphone is not what gave me my praise. You can take the microphone, you can cut the power in this house, your power can go out and you can't stop my praise. You can take you can take this church building away from me. The bank can come and get it. But you can't take this church away. Because it ain't about the building. It ain't about the microphone. It ain't about the lights. It ain't about the jacket. It is inside me. It is in me. It is in me. It is in me. Somebody get up on your feet and praise Him. If it's in you. If it's in you. Listen to me, church. I believe this thing. It is real to me. It is inside of me. Get it inside of you. Because there's pits coming. There's false accusations and imprisonments coming. There's judgments coming. They're going to strip you. They're going to mock you. They're going to hold it up in front of you to remind you of what they took from you. What they don't realize is they didn't take nothing from us because you can't take something from me that you didn't give me. This joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me and the world can't take it away. Are y'all hearing me? So when they sold him into slavery and his hands are tied, he's being pulled behind a camel, beaten, bloodied, and walking. All the others that was in that line with him too that they had bought along the way, they're all walking. 
He looks just like one of the others. But if you could look in the spirit realm, that beat up, broken down, cut up, dropped by his own brothers, everything that happened to him, he was still wearing that coat and he's still wearing that dream. But I'll watch it, I'll preach next week. I got a feeling there's some people in this house it feels like they've been stripped clean that you have lost so much but I want to encourage you right now that you ain't lost nothing because here's the thing when you lose something you don't know where it's at but here's the thing when you are remnant the stuff you think you lost you don't know where they're at but God knows exactly where it's at he knows where your kids are. He knows where your grandkids are. I'm telling the devil, if the devil is found to be a thief, he must restore sevenfold. I'm telling you, every night's sleep you lost, God can give you a week's sleep back. Every dollar you lost, seven is coming back. But you know what your part is? You got to be willing to take it. You got to be willing to praise him in the pit. And in the prison, as if you're still wearing the jacket, if you're still living the dream. And some of you feel like you've lost it. Some of you feel like you're in a pit in a prison. Some of you feel like you've lost stuff that you can't ever recover. I want you to run down these altars right now. Run down these altars. Get down here. You're going to want to do it. Trust me, you're going to want to do it. Because something very pivotal is about to happen right now. Something very pivotal is about to happen. And you're not going to want to go home and tell yourself, my God, I should have went. You're not going to want to do that. Mm. Hallelujah. I'm not ashamed of the Holy Ghost. Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, he's a restorer. God is a restorer. God is a rebuilder. He's a restorer. Come on. It's the way these altars ought to look every single time we come in this place. People ought to be coming up here being delivered, being set free. Let me tell you, if you're up here because you lost something, if you're up here because you've been stripped of something, if you're up here because you believe that, God, you need to be restored of something, some, some things that you've done, sin in your life, mistakes that you've made, people that's hurt you, whatever it is, put you in a place of a pit, put you in a place of questioning where you are, put you in a place of, of depression, whatever it is. If that is you, I want you to raise your hands right now so I can know who's up here for that. Raise your hands right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, these hands are up as a sign of surrender. They've done everything they can on their own power they've done everything they can with their own skill but here they are here they are Lord still crying out for a miracle still crying out for restoration still crying out for to be rebuilt they've been thrown in a pit by the people that they love they've been thrown into a pit by people that they trusted they've been thrown into prison they've been accused of things that they didn't do they, they have been they have been their names have been run through the mud they've been like a remnant cut away wasted thrown into a corner covered in dirt covered in mud covered in, in trash they've been put in a dump they've been covered up by mud and dirt and feces and everything the enemy can throw on top of them they feel useless but here they are God here they are in your altar before you God because down deep in their spirit they know you have not forsaken them and you are not through with them 
So God, as they stand here, I pray that, Father, you would restore the joy of their salvation. If there's sin in your life that you need to ask the Lord to forgive you of, you know what to do. Right there where you're at in your own way, you ask the Lord to forgive you. Just do it right now. Ask the Lord to forgive you of your sins. Ask the Lord to restore your heart and your brokenness. Father, in the name of Jesus, these remnants of cloth that are strolled all over this stage, I have walked on them. I have prayed over them. Before I left my office, I laid my hands on everyone I could put my hands on. And I believe that not only are they were they anointed when I prayed over them, I said, God, I declare that these will be a part of a life-changing message that will get into the hearts of the people. They're nothing but a piece of cloth. They're nothing but a remnant. They're nothing but an old rag. They're nothing but a has-been, a leftover. But God, they represent. God, you putting something together. They represent something big and restore. So God, you told me everybody that would come, everybody that would say that this is my day, everybody that would declare this is the day that I get some stuff back that the enemy has stolen from me, that I'm going to give them one of these pieces of the remnant. They're going to take it home with them. It's going to become their prayer cloth. They're going to stick it on their mirror. They're going to put it in their car. They're going to stick it in their wallet, put it in their purse. Whatever they got to do with it, it's going to, they're going to ride on it. They're going to draw on it. They're going to put scriptures on it. They're going to put things on it that they believe that was restored to them. They're going to put names on it of children that they love, that they're praying for their salvation. And they're going to hold on to it. It might get old. It might get dirty. There might even be some times, God, you tell them to pour oil on it. It might be some times you might even tell them to wipe up some me- a mess with it. Just so it'll get a little bit dirty. Just so that they can be reminded of what God brought them out of. I'm nothing, God. I'm nothing. I don't declare to be anything but a preacher of the gospel, a human being just like anybody else. These do not become powerful because they have touched my hands. These do not become powerful because we cut them out, even because of anything I spoke over them. These are points of contact. These are things that, God, you put in my heart to say and to speak over their lives. And they took the chance. They took the chance. They came. They made a decision to come. And, Father, they came. And, God, they came. And they said, restore to me.